Hello, everybody. You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Uh, my name is Mike Petchy. I am your host. I've been your host now for three years, I think, at this point. It's been three years since I've been doing this show. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. Thank you for being um, really good fans, actually. Uh, I have noticed when you guys write to me on Instagram, I have noticed when you guys send suggestions uh, for guests. Uh, a lot of our guests this year have been suggests from you guys, uh, and I hope we did right by you. Um, I know it's been uh, an intense year, and <laughs> here's the deal. We're going into 2021, so today's episode's theme is fuck 2020, and let's not talk about how depressing the year was. We'll talk about the good stuff that happened this year, because there was a lot of good things that happened, uh, for us at least, uh, and I know for you too, so don't be negative fucking Nancy out there. There's a lot of good things that happened for everybody this year, so we're going to get into that. Um, joining me on today's episode, our returning guest, uh, one of my favorites, the lovely, the talented, the stinky, <laughs> Gina Manning. Hello, Gina. Welcome back to the podcast, the show that you never listened to. <laughs> <laughs> what is new? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah? Can't complain. Very, com- very comfortable. You're looking comfortable. <laughs> let, let me paint a picture for you guys listening. Uh, both Gina and I literally rolled out of bed this morning. I think my beard is matted against my chin, mm-hmm. and Gina's wearing... How thick are those fucking socks? Those are like three-inch thick socks. Mm. What are those? Looks like you murdered a Muppet and put it on your foot. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they are. Yeah. They're comfortable, Michael. We're in California. I don't know why you need socks that thick in California. It's very cold out. What is it? 64 degrees? 60. Now it's 64. Oh, you're such an LA. The change. You're going to have to up your ante once you start having guests in your house. The change that you have gone through since we left... The East Coast. You I've always now, been cold-blooded. You now are Californian. You're wearing a robe. Jesus Christ, your hands are like ice cubes. <laughs> uh, um, well, I wanted to have you on the show today because you and I, it's been over a year at this point since we moved out here, right? Mm-hmm. When did we move out here? My brain is fucked. September. It's like we have a child and we refuse to say it's one years old. So we've been in LA for... Oh, yeah. Almost... 16 months. Why do people do that? I never understood that. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's like it's 16. It's 16 months old. I haven't. I cannot even tell. Begin to describe. Yeah. Why. Well, you can tell we're both not parents. Yeah. <laughs> is what that is. Those parents out there going, you guys just don't know. They're just calculating how many months it's been since they've slept. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, if I had to calculate that, how many months is six years? You. You have a 42-year-old child. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but uh, it's been a while since... Um, it's been, okay, over a year since we moved out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we... D- does it kind of feel like we were gypped? Because we moved out here right before quarantine. Um, No. I think we left where we were before quarantine, which was a very smart idea because yeah. our, our poor city is uh, flailing. Yeah. And then we got six good months here where we met really awesome people. It was six months, wasn't it? Yeah. 
five, yeah. six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And true. we partied hard the day before lockdown, which is, I don't know if that's an acceptable <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> I forgot that we did such a we big went party. To like every bar in the city and no one was there because everyone else was being respectful and we were assholes. Oh, right. Well, we quarantined after that. We were locked up after sure, that. Sure, yeah, because we didn't feel good. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it wasn't like we exposed ourselves to no, anybody no, else. No. Yeah. So we went out, we partied We were different people then, you know? We didn't know. <laughs> we partied pretty hard that yeah. uh, the night before, which was fun. And we were hanging out with some good people that night before, mm-hmm. too. Like Lance was hanging out with us. Uh, Nick mm-hmm. was hanging out with us. Pallowy. Uh, Pallowy. I have to get him on the show. I know yeah. he listens to the show regularly. You I should. You, we should have him on the show. You should have him do his specialty, which is becoming other people. You can have like a list. You can ask your fans <laughs> for a list of people you want him to impersonate. That's true. He's a great impersonator. So totally have him on the show. But yeah, I don't think. And then we went into lockdown, which kind of put everybody else on our level of, you know, what's the new world going to be like? So yeah, I which is cr- good for us. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it it helped us. I think it, to a certain extent, it definitely helped us sort of acclimate and get on even playing field with everybody out here in California. Because I now feel like I'm a Los Angeles resident mm-hmm. after a year here. Um, and then going through the process, like we have like, it's so funny how you don't really feel legit until you get your license plates on your car. And then once you get your license <clears throat> plates on your car, you're like, yeah. okay, I guess, I guess now I'm a... You go out there, you look at the vehicle, you're like, whose car is that? What do Los Angeles people call Angelinos? Is that what they call themselves? Yeah, well, we're not an Angelino. I'm not an Angelino by any chance. No, 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 no. Not even close to that. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. It's just that I think you have to be born and bred. I think you have to be living in specific neighborhoods. For some reason, I imagine they're like old, greasy New Yorkers. (laughs) I was thinking more like Crips and Bloods. I feel like you have to wear like a certain color shirt to be an Angelino (laughs) out here. Um, But uh, yeah, no, once we uh, got ourselves settled in, it worked out pretty nice. And then we've sort of built this comfort our house is pretty much like a comfort spot. Again, we did we yeah. did that. I mean, minus the sub-zero temperatures right now. It's oh, very comfortable. Such a fucking baby. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, no, it's been really good. And then um, the people that we have been able to hang out with have been far and few in between. But uh, you've had a great year, actually, with this. <clears throat> which is surprising because when we first moved out here, you were... Basically, okay, so you did a really great thing for us when you were like, look, we got to, I want to move. So I started three years ago. Yes, go ahead. When I was getting antsy on the East Coast and I was like, we should move far away. Mm-hmm. And you were like, nah, I can get everything I need here. It's very true. <laughs> and then slowly we both discovered it was the right choice to move out. Well, I mean, I've talked about this on the show prior too. I don't know what your fans do and do not know because I... Uh... Well, so the truth, here's the, here's the situation that I tell a lot of folks now. If you are a filmmaker and you're trying to make movies and you're trying to, to develop your craft, if you're trying to put your things together, yes. it is smart to do that in your hometown. It is smart to do it somewhere less expensive. If I had moved here six years ago, True. and tried to make 12KM here or tried to make who's here, who's there here, it would have been... Who's here? Who's here? There, it would have been incredibly difficult because of how expensive it is out here. And this who's is something. there would have been who's here. Yeah, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as you know, because you just did some productions, how expensive it is out here to do things that isn't as expensive to do it in your hometown. Yeah, I think one of the biggest um, downgrades. Well, not downgrades, but I think one of the biggest difficulties out here 
excuse me, is um, location costs. It's mm. fucking ridiculous. Oh my God. It for sure is. Well, I think it's good that we started on the East Coast and we had all the connects and like all the free, f- free everything because sure. everybody just wanted to make great stuff. But I think it's imperative to live in the city that has the biggest commerce of what it is that you want to do. At the end of the day, it's cash. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, it's like financing for your project. An opportunity. Like, yeah. I want to do a certain thing. If I wanted to shoot models, you know, move to New York because there's or Milan or wherever. But if you want to shoot like artists and stuff, move to LA because they literally all live here. No one's. You're not going to convince someone to come out to whatever Kentucky. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, just <laughs> get shoot. on a plane and I'll do a shoot yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. So it was very. It was smart. It took me a. a it took me over a year to get my brain wrapped around that, but it was a smart decision to be made. And so you were very good about it. And you're like, so where do we want to go? New York or Los Angeles? And we knew that my movies were kind of rolling a bit. So it was like, let's do LA. And there was this concern um, with you because you hadn't, you had worked out here in Los Angeles a few times and done some model shoots, but you really hadn't sort of figured out what your game plan was going to be. Yeah, I didn't know any possible future employers out here. Yeah. Was that scary for you? No, I mean, I think we were in a, a lull back on the East Coast where it's like, even though I knew a bunch of employers, you know, there were no jobs at that point. So I was as unemployed it's very true. <laughs> there as I would be here. It's very true. <laughs> um, so then you, we moved out here um, and uh, we made a, you made a plan. You actually put together a plan for your year. Like what was your goal initially? Oh my God, I don't know why my throat is so dry. It's, it's because of the air in here. It's because I just downed that espresso before this. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the air in here is so dry because they have the fucking heat on. I feel like I got a loogie in there somewhere. Hold on, I'm going to cough. <coughs> this is what the show is. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> we just have COVID. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, what was your question? So uh, you, we, you put together a plan at the yeah. beginning of the year, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I was shooting a lot of fashion uh, back on the East Coast and... I wanted to continue that, but I also wanted to get more into creative directing and like full branding. And I guess I just kind of pivoted because it was more, you know, like a, just a smarter decision. If I was coming out to LA, maybe I should start working with artists. And I had done it on the East Coast and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, mm-hmm. the, the plan was you're like put together your favorite artists. And I was like, FK Twigs, <laughs> Lady Gaga. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh-huh. That's good. You should, uh, if you make a list like that, you should really put the top players on that list because you're going to make that happen by putting it down on the list. It's sure. really, like yeah, if you people, don't. People get nervous, or at least I do. I get so stressed out about what's in my head and there's so much and I can't like break down what's what and where it goes and how I should, you know, formulate plans for it because it's just overwhelmingly. Yeah. Invisible in my mind. But yeah, once you put it down on paper, it's way more tangible. Right. It becomes a little bit easier to handle and you're just like, okay, well, and that, and then once you write out a list, and I know I've talked about this on the show, but this is really important, guys. When you write out a list, you can actually dissect each of those elements on that list. So if you're like, okay, uh, I want to work with this artist. Okay. Who, when you see it on the page, you go, okay, what label are they on? Who manages that artist? Who also is managed by that artist? Who do I know that's managed by that person? We are too good at that. Yeah. I, I want to sidetrack eventually and talk about the package. The package? The package that arrived. And, and just our skills of being like de- online detectives. We figured out, we got a package. Oh, okay. I'm just yeah. sidetracking for a second. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> 
we got a package for Christmas uh, for somebody else, and just the like level of detail of going on Instagram, looking up the names, looking up you know the followers that might have the last name of the mom who sent the package, and then like. <laughs> okay, let me further explain this because the audience is like, "What are you fucking talking about?" Oh yeah. So the mail service uh, delivered a package to the wrong house. They delivered a package to us with the with our address on it, but mm-hmm. it was the wrong person for it. And it was a big package. And normally what you would do is just sort of go down to the post office and drop it off at the post office, and then it would sort of be lost at the post office. But Gina went through the process of doing her detective work, and you figured out exactly who I, the fuck it was on our I street. I know who our neighbors are. I know who their friends are. I know what they do for work. <laughs> I know what their hobbies are. Their dog is very cute. You but we've never talked to them in real life before. <laughs> scary shit is what that is. Um, but anyway, that applies to the list that we were talking about. Yeah. If you make a list of anything that you want to accomplish or get to, you could sort of decipher and do a little detective work, especially with the internet, and find out how you can get access. And if you have access to one of those people that you want to work with, and if you don't have access to that person yet, which direction you should be working your way into that potentially could lead to access to who that person sure. is later. Who can you work for that might be smaller, that has the aesthetic that if you know you're you know, the, the real artist you want to work with eventually down the line would see that and be like, I love that aesthetic. Yeah. So basically it started in about this time last year, right? Or it was a little bit earlier than this last year. November. Uh, well, it started as soon as I got here. I started shooting. Uh, right. Was that when you first started? So yeah. what was your first steps when you came out here to California? Um, decorate the house. <laughs> yes. Yes. Buy <laughs> a couch. And then I started shooting. I had a couple friends out here that run magazines, like the low budget, come do us a free a free photo shoot, you know, which is pretty much all magazines all these magazines days. All magazines these days, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just started shooting um, actors and actresses. And then eventually uh, one of my good connects over at Lady Gun suggested I work with B. Miller. Yeah, that was right. That's, that's how the connect happened initially. Now... <clears throat> Let's be let's let's get into the magazine game right now because this is something that a lot of photographers the the photography business right now is all over the place and it's really difficult to try to figure out how to make revenue with mm-hmm. this business right now, correct? So you're either making revenue if you get hired if you get hired by like a large campaign like a like a brand or a client sure. to do something. But even now that's difficult because a lot of those giant brands are just hiring like an in-house creative yeah. to shoot stuff with their camera. So it's really tough. Well, it only takes one person working on a campaign that will charge less money and then that will send, you know, I don't try not to blame anybody, but you know, it's what the trickle down effect. Once they, someone realizes they can get something for cheaper, it's just human nature that they will want it. Well, we don't have to talk about specifics, but we can talk about the details of it where Gina did a, a large campaign <clears throat> back in Boston she did a big campaign for a company back in Boston, and uh, uh, it was a pretty good budget. It was put together well. It was produced well. It was put together by a good team, um, and Gina went in to shoot this larger campaign, and they had hired the creatives at that company, had hired someone to come in to do basically behind the scenes, I think, was initially what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a behind the scenes kind of person. Yeah. We, it was like the video content. Video content. Okay. So they came in and they, it was, I don't know if you guys have done this before being photographers on your own, but you know, there's different tiers to how the advertising works. 
So when you get with a larger brand, they'll spend the money on the catalog shots, they'll spend the money on the billboard shots, the stuff that's going to essentially sell the shit that they have in their warehouse. So they dump all their cash into that, make it look good, make it look cool, make our products look hot, we wanna sell those. That's the primary spot at a campaign. But then there's also what is consistently, strangely, I don't understand why, but it's always to be consistently secondhand, which is like uh, social media. And a lot of times whenever I did a job, like when I did Sam Adams or I do other things, they'll bring in a second unit team where they're paying them nothing. They're paying them scratch to come in and shoot stuff for social media. And sometimes that isn't even a subcontractor. Sometimes that's a poor creative that's on salary that has to walk in the room and do it with a fucking iPhone. And that's been on other like Bose and shit like that, different companies that we worked for where they just pulled some creative off a desk and said, hey, we just shoot some shit for fucking Instagram. Which is insane because Instagram has ultimately become like the largest marketing yeah. platform at this point. And so the difficulty, and we've run into this multiple times and you've run into this as well, is that <clears throat> when you're hired as a photographer, you're essentially trying to control the quality of your image. You're trying to control the quality of what's put out there in the market and everything that's surrounding the mystique of what has been designed. And oftentimes it's difficult to do that because there's a whole separate unbeknownst to you oftentimes, there's a whole second unit that's brought in that's doing stuff behind the scenes. And that person oftentimes is hungry and they want to be in the position that you're in. And so they'll offer to the clients, and I know a lot of you listening do this, offer to the clients like, hey, I can shoot stills, I can do all sorts of other stuff. And so within the same settings of the shoot that we're doing, they'll be behind the scenes like doing like a quick setup of somebody, shooting stills that aren't behind the scenes that actually are stills that can be used to sell the product and essentially giving them away for free. And so what happens is the client becomes aware of this and if they're not an honest client, the client becomes aware of this and they go, uh, we can use these as well. And we don't have to pay licensing on these. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So let's get a bunch of those images as well. And then the photographer has the best intentions in mind because they're like, hey, look, this is an opportunity for me to build my portfolio. But what they don't realize that what they're doing is that they're devaluing not only their own work, but the work that the photographer that's been hired there to do is doing at the same time. And... A lot of this was in theory until we actually saw it play out. And we saw it play out with this one campaign that you did where they had hired you to come in and do that campaign a few times. And then eventually they hired the behind the scenes person to come in and do a campaign at like what, like a quarter of the price? I think it was like over a tenth, less than a tenth of the price. It's insane. So <laughs> so just keep this in mind, young and photographers. It, and it wasn't... It, we're not talking like an insane budget, you know, it was just enough to get by and make something really nice and, and be able to pay people. Exactly. Like, you know, we still have a crew. Exactly. It's not like we were buying yeah. a Mercedes and BMWs. With it. <laughs> it was just enough to do it. And so then we come to find out that that person ends up uh, doing this thing at a tenth of the price. So then they go in there and do that gig. And then the next year they get completely they lose their budget for the entire campaign completely and then hand it to an internal to do. So it's really difficult to uh, navigate this industry as a photographer these days because where do you make your money? I think one of the big problems also is that uh marketing is being thrown into social media and not campaigns anymore. Like who picks up, a, who 
has enough money to pick up a magazine and be like, whoa, that's an awesome dress. I'm going to pay $900 for that dress. Thank you, magazine, for that input. <laughs> no, everyone sees stuff on Instagram or through influencers. And the problem with that is currency through the internet so far has been free swag. You know, like yeah. influencers will be like, ooh, I want that dress for free, so I'll wear it for a post. And the whole structure is so flawed there that, you know, the, the real artists who now have to cater to social media are in that level of payment. Instead yeah. of transferring over what would have been a campaign for print and putting that money into social media. Yeah. And it's, it's this, if I had to theorize on it, I would say it's because there are all these different PR companies that sort of leverage themselves in between the uh, influencers and in between the actual people making stuff. So the clients at that point, and then these PR companies sort of leverage themselves in and say, Hey, we can, we have access to these influencers and these people will do stuff just for product. And so they put themselves in between that, which is a fascinating game now. Because now, if you're, I, I see this all the time, and every once in a while I'll comment it on Instagram. If you're doing posts on gear that you're not getting paid to do posts on gear on, you're essentially giving them free advertising. And if they're not giving you the product for free, a lot of times these companies will just give out loaners for stuff. And you're still going to do an ad read or a post on your Instagram account for nothing? Why? What are you getting from that? Why are you doing that? You're essentially advertising to them for, for without anything. And I know you're just like, well, well, Mike, you have reads, ad reads on your show and stuff. Anytime I do an ad read, I'm 100% clear with the client. Either A, uh, I could use this equipment, which will save us money on the show, so I'll do an ad read for a few episodes for you for that. Or um, you guys are going to have to pay for the spots. Because it's advertising, because ultimately you're selling their products. You just got to remember these things. And this comes into play with the ultimate decision that you made with your career. Because uh, there was a realization that as a photographer only, you're essentially, you have no control over your product. You have no control over the quality of your product. And you have no control over um, uh, how much money you can make on these things, mm -hmm. correct? <clears throat> yeah. And this was a realization that you had over a year ago, and that sort of really shifted your career path. Because it's it's really difficult to decide these days, hey, I'm just going to be a for-hire photographer. Yeah, and, and I was just doing so much more than photography that I was like, I need to expand w what people are hiring me for and why they're hiring me. So then you <laughs> did um, that shoot for Lady Gun. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, so <clears throat> this is what's interesting and fascinating about it. So the shoot for Lady Gun was essentially like a low budget, like a tiny, tiny budget shoot, correct, for them? And so a lot of folks, when they see that, they go, why would I shoot this? I'm not going to make the money. I'm not going to make any of this stuff. And when people say it's about the connects, well, how do these connects actually pay off? Like, how does this actually come to fruition? And how did the connect stuff pay off for you? Uh, they... We started to talk after that, which is kind of my whole thing is like, I, I prefer to meet people and meet good people and then see what we can do in the future. Um, and then, yeah, we just, it was like probably not super realistic because they reached out immediately and they were like, let's, let's figure out how you're going to do this entire upcoming campaign with B. So this is with B. So <laughs> you did the shoot with B for Lady Gun. Yes. And we hit it off and we were like, you know, I had her drinking in a laundromat <laughs> with barely any clothes on and like, <laughs> we were just shooting the shit. I had her eat a burrito in a, in a <laughs> little taco joint. 
Yeah, you were obsessed with like the lime inserts. I remember when yeah. you were doing that. Um, and you guys were kind of the same person. It's just a couple years difference between the two. Yeah, of you. it was really weird. We are like, we still say, I mean, it happens all the time where she'll text me and I was like, I was about to text you that. Or like, we'll be on set and I'll go over to her and she's like, I'm already doing it. And I'm like, you don't even know what I'm going to ask. <laughs> it's always, we're always on point. <laughs> so then you did that first shoot. And I remember... Uh, the shoot was a bit difficult to put together and there was that moment of doubt where it was like, I don't know, should we even do this thing? Or I do mean, I that thing that everyone has that artist quirk that other people are like, oh, can't stand. For me, it's the day before a shoot. I'm always like, let's cancel it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> My nervous tick is that I'm like, let's just cancel it. Oh, I don't know if that's a common thing where artists try to sabotage themselves. <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> but I always do it. You also should have good support because, Michael, you're always like, just do the damn shoot. You're going to be so happy. It's like working out, you know, before you go work out, you're like, fuck this. I don't want (laughs) to. Right. Right. So then you did it. So we we did the shoot. It was an intense day, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, because we had, I think, what, two days to find all the locations and figure out what our lighting schemes were going to be and then also prepare. I mean, props all around to them because, you know, you work with a lot of artists and like you have one hour with this person you mm-hmm. and you and then the magazine will be like you need to get 10 shots with four different outfits but like B and her team her management blood company and, and even Hollywood records they were all they all came we hung out all day they didn't question anything they let us like go into all these random spots without any prior authorization <laughs> <laughs> everyone was such a good sport and it was it was a really nice day and, and kudos to you too one thing that you do better than I do is uh, you really acclimate yourself into places and go find locations. I hate that. I hate oh my God. How finding many, locations. I hate it. How many laundromats did we go to the night <sighs> before? And I was, was just like driving 10. you and I was just like, fuck this. I just hate doing that. <laughs> yeah, you were the driver. I hate that shit. Um, the best, I, Mike Tips, I don't know. You know, I know you probably have a lot of legal authorities in the industry here. <laughs> but my tip for running gun shooting is like go into the space around the time of day you want to shoot. And then just stay there for a while and kind of like, then you'll kind of see when people are there, what they're doing, where you could probably shoot. Ahead of time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. On the scout. Sorry. I I say the first half of all sentences in my brain. It's fine. You're doing great. (laughs) Uh, So then uh, you do the shoot, uh, UMB hit it off. But then I remember after we finished it, we didn't think anything was really going to come about. We were on a plane when we got the, the emails of... Oh, right, because we were going back. Oh, we were going back to the East Coast to celebrate Christmas. Christmas last year, yeah. And then they reached out and they were like, let's, I mean, props all the way to Blood Company, her management and her, because, you know, they both fought for, you know, for her to have creative control and they were just like, we want you to do this, so. And not just take photos for her for the new campaign, but it was like. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't really discuss what it was until we met up for a meeting and then it was really great. They were like, we want to hear you know, B obviously knew kind of what she didn't want and she knew the way that she generally saw it going. And, you know, she sent me Pinterest boards that she'd been building since she was a kid, which I loved. (laughs) And then we just built this whole world. We kind of sat, uh, brainstormed with the whole team. There must've been like 12 people there. And it was a a wonderfully open creative space, which is sometimes rare, you know, like no, no one was shy about saying anything. Everyone gave each other the platform to talk about ideas. It felt like a good writing room, I guess. (laughs) So then you, they essentially said to you, uh, we want you to take care of everything. So you did. So let's see, you were charged with doing what? Seven music videos. Yeah. It was originally six and then it became seven because in the beginning we didn't know we were going to have a remix for feel something with Amina. Yeah. 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 And then we, 
uh, we added on the seven lyric videos. That's right. They had seven lyric videos. And then you were charged. What was your photography uh, task for them? It was to design and kind of curate the next 30 posts. Originally, it was like, you know, the next month of posting on Instagram where, you know, that was kind of the catalyst for everything because they were like, we loved what you did with Lady Gun. We'd love to see how that translates to like Instagram posts to the new era of bees world. Yeah. Okay. So then you were basically, you had this, it was an interesting thing because then you ended up working for Hollywood records, which is Disney. So you ended up in that round with the, with a big company, which was kind of cool. And then you had to go through the process of planning out all of it. Like how do I plan out what I'm shooting for stills to be released on on Instagram? But then I also have to write treatments for seven music videos. Sure. And it was all a new a new world because we couldn't... One, we thought we were going to shoot everything remotely. So the first step was figuring out what gear could I... Right, because of the COVID. Yeah, yeah. Could, I, could I talk to B virtually and also direct her and like also record it and have the best quality possible? And then slowly we realized that we could just get tested. And yeah, I mean, we it pretty much I only saw B and Jams, her manager, for like uh, nine months. <laughs> yeah, because you guys would get tested like once a week. Yeah. And then you were uh, hanging out. It was just you and her for most of the yep. video, for most of the whole campaign, rather. Mm-hmm. So it was just you and her doing photos. You and she'd either come over to our spot or you'd go over to her spot and you'd shoot a music video, just the two of you. Yep. I would say in the beginning, we were super formulaic. You know, we had concrete plans for everything and slowly I guess we kind of went with the waves of how COVID was going where we would you know slowly pivot and something completely new would start I guess it was just overall a really great openly creative process and then on top of all that stuff you were also charged with doing her merch so you designed all her merch we designed we talked with her she knew what she wanted for pieces and then we from scratch completely created the look of all the merch and then what else do we do? You also did the uh, pay-per-view stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah. Then we did the live performance because uh, artists need a new, you know, they can't go on tour, so there needs to be some sort of an venue. income yeah. Yeah, venue for live performances. And that was great. And, and uh, Yeah, that was pretty crazy. So you, how long is it? It was like nine months of work. Yeah, t- technically, we've been up each other's butts since November. <laughs> But I don't think we started, it was a little bit of a process in the beginning, getting Disney to agree to something that they couldn't understand, yep. just because none of us, like even the calls where we were pitching, it was like, all I can tell you is it's going to look good, but we're going to have to figure out, you know, no one's ever done this before. There's no guidebook for how to virtually shoot large campaigns and stuff. So we, well, but then also there's a, and you've noticed this, there's a rule book there's been like a system that's been in place since like the early 90s of how music videos are made, how music videos are put together, how campaigns are made. And there's there's a system and there are, are job positions within that system, whether you're video commissioners or whether you're producers at at the uh, label. So everybody has their, their way of doing things and then they all have their own um, Rolodex of, of the people they need to call to do things. Mm-hmm. And so one of the difficult things with the way the media has changed and really social media and the internet have really fucked up the old system completely because a lot of the old system is still in place from back in the days of MTV and broadcast, you know? So I think you've noticed this as you've gone through, if you're trying to reimagine and redesign how this content's created, 
you sort of have to break your way past this old system. And I think it takes a little while for people that are still in that mindset to go like, I don't understand. How the fuck is this going to... It's just, it's easy. I mean, it's what you're taught. Yeah. As I've learned in therapy, (laughs) everything... Everybody should be in therapy, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, you know, everything is a process. It's like learning a, l- a new language, especially if you're an adult and you're trying to understand something. And especially if it's your job that you don't always care about and always want to be conscious about, like thinking about something completely different is just... Yeah, uh, it makes it hard. It makes it difficult. And so that slows the process down a little bit. Sure. But uh, I think at the end of it all, it's been a fascinating uh, exercise in doing exactly what we're talking about, which is writing things down, making a list, making a plan. And then your plan pretty much came together completely since, since November, right? At this point you've gone and you've checked off almost, I mean, I don't even think directing music videos was on your list. Was it initially? I'm always open. Well, it's just, it's just, okay, look, it's mind blowing. And of course I'm your boyfriend. So like I will sit here and give you all the praise in the world, but from an outside perspective, you literally wrote down on a piece of paper that you want to work with artists and then fast forward to your fucking images, to your to your photographs being on billboards in Times Square. Photographs that were taken in our fucking driveway. <laughs> like that is a career path for photographers. I mean, uh, Jonathan from Big Black Delta and I talk about it all the time, 90s brain. Both of us are trained with 90s brain, which essentially means that I wanted to be the music video directors, I wanted to be the photographers that I grew up respecting in the 90s, which was a whole different time period for that for that uh, career period. It, it doesn't exist anymore because people aren't buying CDs, people aren't doing that sort of thing. So when I look at that stuff, that would be a career path. Be like, I want my photograph on a fucking billboard totally. in <clears> Times <throat> totally Square. It was a dream of mine. Yeah. It w- wasn't even realized until it happened. And I mean, they didn't I even tell you that they were going to yeah. do it. Yeah, that's, that's more like what happened. I didn't know until it was there. <laughs> so yeah, that so, and then seeing the video on MTV was also like baby Gina was freaking out. Yeah, I would man. like my eyes would go blank watching the amount of hours I watched uh, MTV music videos as a kid. And you didn't just have one video. You have seven music videos. You have literally come out a year later from writing something down on the page to having a, um, a resume at this point that can get you into any major repping agency based upon this one fucking job, based upon one free magazine shoot. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. When you I, think I'm about thankful it. thankful for Coco over at Lady Gun for, for hooking up, meeting my uh, creative soul sister, B. Miller. <laughs> so when you're listening to this, and oftentimes we all do it, you and I have done this, where you look up someone and you go, how the fuck did they get so big? Or how the fuck did they get to that point? It's two things. One, one thing that you can't control. Situational luck. Being in the right place at the right time is something that you can't control. You can curate. You can like... That's the two. Yeah. Two is that you can curate where you are and how you get how yourself in those your time, positions. Who you're spending your time with. I mean, spend it with good people. Spend it with people who are as driven and passionate as you and, and you know lift each other up i completely agree i i just look i admire you anyways as a person but i just i'm very proud of your year and it's been a terrible year because of covid and all that kind of stuff but you have worked harder this year than most people work on a regular fucking year and you have not only done a campaign 
that is incredibly inspired and beautiful, but you've also figured out on the fly how to uh, manage a larger business, how to set yourself up to work with a larger, there are all these behind the scenes business things that you never really prepare yourself for that when you're thrust into that, where it's like, okay, so we're going to shoot next week. So you need to talk to our accounting department and go through this whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everything was supposed to be virtual. So then once things started getting bigger, it was like, Oh, I will, I will. Ha-. Luckily, you know, I've produced and, yeah, and directed and done all these things before. So it, I wouldn't say anything was necessarily new, but it was a lot at once. You know, all that, that usually time. I would have a team doing <laughs> exactly. if we weren't in COVID. Exactly. And that was the that was the second thing that was I mean, I was here to help you out and we and Mike, our yeah, other you, roommate, you were edited here. most of the videos. Yeah, well, thank uh, you for that. I had nothing else going on. <laughs> um, but then um it's just interesting and it was fascinating to watch you sort of dive headfirst into this thing. And do you feel like you've changed? Like has this whole project changed for you? I even remember in the shower yesterday, I was like, I have a different, I see things differently. I calculate things more on the basis of like having so much to do for nine months where, you know, I was working like 18 hours a day. I think I probably had realistically 10 days off in the last nine months, That's very true. which I am making up for hardcore this vacation, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I have this new like structure in my brain of, you know, it's like when a ball drops into one of those things on the prices, right. And you wait to see which hole it goes down. I can now see where it's exactly going. where the balls are going and like make very calculated decisions, which for someone with grave ADD, it's, it's a. You know, as a full-grown adult, it's been a wonderful. So yeah, that's how I've changed. I can think yeah, can <laughs> more <think>. calculated. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really great. It's been um, it's been interesting because I, I for years I was going to pursue the the career of being a photographer, and then for years I was also going to pursue the career of being a music video director. But then ultimately, as you go through all these things, you distill it down. You go, what is my actual career goal what is my path i want to be a film director and so i've i've kind of stepped out of that arena good for you a lot of people don't do that they get comfortable in something that they're good at it's hard not even yeah it's hard to do it i think a lot of the time not even realizing it's not really what they want to do until they're like shit why am i so unfulfilled (laughs) yeah it it took me too long to which means you just feel the pain instantly because you keep turning down these good opportunities for uh (laughs) (laughs) a bone out in the distance (laughs) it's pretty much it um but i've been able to live vicariously so Aww. it's been good. I've been able to like have these theories that I would practice and be like, what if you try this and what if you do that? And yeah. it's, it's cool to see them actually work out. It's definitely, it was, and as far as what's different about me, I think I'm also exactly the same. Like this is always what I've wanted to do. It's always what I've been calculated to do. Uh, I'm a very detailed person. So like as soon as I lost, as soon as there was still a creative thing to be done and I wasn't in control of it, I always felt like a piece of what the vision was, was lost, you know, because... Mm-hmm. sometimes as a photographer you hand off something and then you have no say on what it's going to look like when it's printed no say on like honestly how other people utilize it in the future so being a creative director it was really great to just be like i'm i would rather not do the work if you're better than me but at least we can talk you know people want to hear what you have to say which is i don't know if you guys are photographers you know, are. moving on to being creative directors is a really smart decision because then you you're at least involved in the conversation, which is really important to seeing an idea through. Which is funny because I think there needs to be a new position created 
because there's a lot of creative directors that are hitting that age where they're not valuable anymore. And then they're trying to get out and either become directors or photographers because they're looking on the outside over the other side of the fence, the grass is greener kind of game. And they're like, uh, it'll be better if I'm working for myself. And then now photographers are realizing that it is, you can't just be a photographer. You have to have more control over this sort of thing. And I don't think it's like becoming one or the other. I think it's about creating a new thing. I think it's about creating this new unit where it's like, if you're going to hire me as an artist, you're hiring me as an artist because you like my, the way I visually do things. You like the way I put things together. So hire me to do all of that. Yeah. And make sure you know what you're doing before you offer that role. Exactly. People will rely on you. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Yeah, Yeah. It's a lot of work. It isn't just like I've got good taste. It's, there's a lot of business management. There's a lot of patience. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking to people who do all sorts of different things, like designing the website was another thing where, you know, it took a while for us to figure out how our brains, you know, our website designer was amazing and, and his brain worked in a different way. It was just figuring out how to res- like get the image and get the experience down, you know, collaborating with all the worlds and everyone involved. Delegation. You're like a mediator. Yeah. You're pretty much making sure that at the end of the day, the exact thing that needs to happen happens without losing anyone's flair that they're bringing with their creative input. Yeah, because it was interesting for you because you got to taste both sides of it. Because when you did the, um, what do you call it? The uh, pay-per-view, you weren't directing the pay-per-view. Yeah, I was just creative directing. So what was your process on that? Uh, the first thing I did was, who who's Liberace? I felt like Liberace where I was like sitting down one night, I had my headphones and you guys were cooking dinner in the other room and I just like wrote pages and pages of like the most wild story while listening to V's album on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like kind of handed it off to the director, Michael Fullman, who's amazing over at uh, VT Pro Design. And they kind of took it. Luckily, I, I, I made sure to look at their website and, and saw, you know, really what, what they were proficient at. So I tried to lean into all of their amazing technical skills with it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we kind of got on a couple calls with each other, felt each other out. He discussed what he saw. We kind of made a, a do a duo between the two of us, you know, director and creative director, mm-hmm. how we would actually, you know, physically make it happen. And then we brought it to everybody else and went from there. Yeah. So it was in because, but prior to that, with all the music videos and with all that stuff, and you were still doing all that stuff at the same time, mm-hmm. you were in complete control of it all. Yeah, I was shooting it. Right, doing <laughs> doing the whole aspect. So, sure. was it was it uh, a nice respite for you to actually go and do this? Yes, it was nice. It felt like a job rather than a life. Yeah, which I, I wasn't complaining. I loved what I did the entire time. But to be able to be like. Let's do this and then have someone super talented be like, we'll make it happen. And then have that person have like 50 people that work for them make it happen. So it was like, you almost feel, I feel weird, like bad when I'm, I know that means the shoot is successful, but I feel bad when I get onto set and all I have to do is make decisions. <laughs> I'm like, can I help you pick up this wire? And they're like, for liability reasons, you should not pick up this wire. <laughs> but that means you've done, you've done your yeah, job right. I've learned over the years, my guilt, my grandma guilt uh, that if, if I'm not doing anything on set, but shooting or, you know, focusing on the creative, then I've, then everybody's done their job and that's a good thing. Yeah. And you've done your job, which yeah. is that Liberace section where you sit down and you come up with all these different ideas. Cause it, it's like film directing at that point, people are looking for a vision. And so the older I get in this business, the longer you're in this business, the, the more money you charge in this business is ultimately 
based upon your fishing skills for vision. Sure. Like you listen to those interviews with David Lynch and he talks about like transcendental fucking. Will you do your David Lynch impression? I can't do it right now. <laughs> it's so good. My head. I can't do it. <laughs> That's such an old man. I can't do it right now. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he talks a lot about meditation for that. He talks a lot about his process on how he mines these ideas out. And our industry is full of really great technicians, really smart people, people that know how to open up a piece of equipment, people that know how to use an editing system, people that know how to use software to create amazing worlds. But they're all tools. And all those tools need a vision. They need a project. They need an idea. Sure. And that idea is where the money is. Like being able to mine that idea is what makes you worth cash. Sure. And having, having, I found that having a good idea, having a strong idea, having a vision for everything is also more, it's more marketable for, you know, the client as well, because then that transfers over to why the merch looks like the live performance and why the photos look like the album cover and why like, you know, even B and I creating her style, you know, going through her closet and all right. that stuff, it it all melds together because we're, we are all very informed on what the idea is. And and then you can start to have fun with it too. And sort of like a long story idea where like specific aspects are showing up in different pieces. And then you start to like, for, I think this project was so interesting because it was uh COVID based and because you guys had to strip everything down to the barest of essentials. It was fascinating to see how the fans responded to stupid shit. I don't I don't mean by stupid oh. shit. I mean basic oh. I mean Tell basic, us how you really I feel. Mean, I mean oh, basic fuck. basic ideas. He's, down turning, to the, he's turning red over there. Down to the more basic <laughs> ideas. So like goldfish, like putting the goldfish in yeah. the first video. And then how that how did that translate over everything else? Um originally our, our idea for the goldfish, I mean we B and I we're on many phone calls about, you know, what the songs mean and, you know, I'd send her over treatments and she'd be like, I just don't think that luckily, you know, she, she had a very straightforward vision. So the goldfish came into play because I wanted to kind of visualize what it feels like one to be in quarantine mm -hmm. and like see through things, but not be able to get there. And then there was also the whole, you know, that song was just fuck. It was like hindsight, you know, you're, you're looking back at stuff and you're like, why am I not as smart? Why, like, why are things all going downhill now that I'm older? And I don't know. It just, it, it made sense to feel trapped, but also like, you know, you were living, but trapped. Smart. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then that ended up carrying and playing its way into like the sure. merch and then yeah. ended up carrying its way I to mean, another once video. You, the best part is like, it felt like everyone was having fun. It, well, everyone was having fun and everyone got to play because there was a world and we were living in it at that point, you know? Yeah. So we were like, let's bring the goldfish back. This makes sense for this song. So, yeah. And you know, I'm good at keeping goldfish alive. <laughs> you were obsessed with that shit. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. It was really cool. It was a cool thing to watch. It was a really interesting exercise to see played out. Um, and I think that this year has been an incredibly, this has been your most successful year. Yeah. I try to make it that every year is the most successful. Well, 2021's on its way. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to be very successful in Zelda in 2021. Jesus Christ. We'll get into that. <laughs> All right. So I think uh, now I just want to take a break. We'll do some ad reads and then we'll come back and we'll talk about something else. How's that sound? Good. I don't know if that was for me or your listeners. but That's, it that, was good. For, that was for you. All right. Hold on. Let's do a song transition.
All right. It is that time. You know the deal. It is time to thank the men and women that help make the show possible. And I am not just talking about you, the listener. Uh, You guys have been really good, actually. You guys have been really good to me this year. Uh, And I really appreciate all your support, like I say. I uh, appreciate you following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy and following the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. Uh, there you guys have been uh, uh, being a part of like the contest that we're running, like giving suggestions for guests on the show. Uh, it's been really great. And those of you who got your hands on a ILP t-shirt, congratulations, because those were a limited run. Those of you still waiting for your t-shirts, my orders just came in, uh, and I will be getting to those this week as we get out of the holiday season, so I'll be shipping you guys out all of your shirts, and I have a few extras kicking around, so if you want to get your hands on either the In Love With The Process 12 cam shirt, or if you want to get your hands on the In Love With The Process storyboarding shirt, I have a few sizes left, and the best way to do so is uh, just message me on Instagram. And uh, I'll let you know what's available. Um, so let's get into the ad reads. First up, good buddies over at Puget Systems. If you are a video editor, if you're a music producer, or if you're just a gamer, and we're going to get into that in the next part of the show, uh, Puget Systems builds amazing PCs. And I have been deep in cyberpunk. I have been deep, deep, deep in the cyberpunk 2077 right now and there's a whole lot of negativity out there on this game and how it doesn't work on the consoles and how it's really buggy it's not buggy on my puget system (laughs) i'll just say that it is fucking beautiful on this edit system that i have built by puget and uh i don't know if that's a positive or negative thing uh because i feel like i have been playing this game for the past two days and i don't know where my life went Uh, But if you want to see the best version of this game, go to PugetSystems.com and build yourself an affordable PC. And while you're at it, make yourself a PC that will also double as an edit system so you're not an absolute piece of shit. (laughs) So that you can can excuse the expenses on that. Um, The guys over there will help you build a system based upon the software you use. um, And... What I love about them is that they don't manufacture hardware. So they're not trying to pawn off their shit on you. They actually go through the process of digging through the internet, finding the best stuff, benchmarking all this stuff, making sure that it all works perfectly with the latest and greatest updates that happen every week or every month and essentially render your systems useless. It drives me crazy, this whole software update thing. Um, Puget Systems helps you navigate through all of that stuff. And like I said, they're affordable, they're upgradable, and they have actual human being customer support. So you're not dealing with some sort of queue and some sort of text message queue and all this other bullshit. You actually get someone on the phone. I can't say enough good things about Puget Systems and they have been such a great support system for us on this show. They have always supported my work. They love artists. There are multiple other artists out there that they help support. Um, So go check them out. Go to PugetSystems.com, follow them on Instagram at Puget Systems. You can see the stuff that they're making, the stuff that they're building. I'm telling you right now, the dream is to always find that company, that smaller company that gives a shit. And Puget Systems is the one. So I love you guys. 
Thank you for making 2020 tolerable for us here at the podcast. And I cannot wait to get out of quarantine and have beers with you fellas. So next up, our good friends over at Quasar Science, one of the best advancements in uh, the movie industry over the past, I don't know, it's been like eight years at this point, has been LED lighting. LED lighting has changed the way all of our movies look, our music videos look. And sure, there is that whole, you know, overused Quasar tube thing in music videos. You love Quasars in music videos, don't you, Gita? What? Do you want, how do you want me to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So if you are looking to get some new lights, if you're looking to, to uh, uh, change your lighting kit, I know a lot of you guys ask, Mike, what do you have in your light kit at home? I have quasar tubes. I have bicolor tubes. I have rainbow LEDs. Um, they're a great addition to your kit. They're lightweight. They draw very little power. Um, and they take up a very small footprint. You can fit them in the back of your hatchback. No big deal. And you can use these lights for multiple uh, purposes. You can create, you can bundle a bunch of them together, create a nice soft source. You can use them as edge lights. I like to use them as like, essentially like lightsabers. So you can actually run them over reflective surfaces and really create some really cool in-camera effects with them. So definitely go to quasarscience.com and check them out. Uh, let's see who else is supporting us. Oh, if you've been listening to the show today, which you are, of course, dickhead, they're all listening to the show. I am talking into my EV microphone, which is super cool, right? There's a big difference. Gina's using, excuse me as I burp, Gina's using the Shure, and I'm using the EV, and hold on, I didn't prep for this. Am I on? You are on. Oh. Here we go. Hello? So I am using my ElectroVoice Variable D microphone. If you go to electrovoice.com, you can check them out. Uh, you can hear the difference. It's got like sort of like a bassy bottom to it, which is really nice. And mine's really high pitched. <laughs> I'm dating a truck driver. Um, but uh, I really dig these guys. They're a really cool company. They sent me over this microphone to try out. Um, and I like it. I like it a lot. It feels like uh, very radio friendly. I think the difference between this microphone and the Shure is the Shure ends up uh, blocking out a lot more background noise than this one does. So this requires a bit more um, protection for the studio space, but I'm not really doing that right now and it sounds pretty clean. Yeah. You know, granted the, it's pretty quiet here in the house, but uh, it's a good microphone. It's a quality microphone, uh, really good product. I like these guys. Hopefully I can convince them to be a sponsor in the show as we continue on because they're they're good company. It's quieter in the house right now because you have me on the podcast and I'm not just roaming around. I know. She's not doing dishes and shit in the background. Yes, I know. All the viewers know it's, it's become a thing at this point. Um, so thank you to EV Voice. Who else do I have as a sponsor today? You can tell how prepared I am today. Um, well, you know what? Let's just do a couple of shout outs. I have to say right now, you've been listening to him in the background. He is the first musician that we've had contribute music to the show. He's essentially the sound of this show. Uh, it's our good buddy, Code Electro. And right now I'm playing in the background one of my favorite tracks that he has called Black Rain. 
inspired by one of my favorite Ridley Scott movies. His music is amazing. He's a really cool guy in real life. How did we meet Martin? You met him first, right? Like all good friends. Uh, here we, we go. Met on here Instagram. we go. <laughs> <laughs> we met on Instagram. We hit it off. And then he was basically like, I'm coming to America. And I was like, you should come stay with us, stranger. He's such a weirdo. <laughs> He's like, I have this hot American broad back in, uh, in America that wants me to come stay at her Definitely house. Definitely not what happened. He knew you existed. <laughs> so he ended up coming and staying with us. Really cool dude. He was the shit. We had so much fun with him. I did. Yeah. We had a lot. Like him and I went out and had a lot of beers together. Oof, we got drunk a lot of nights. Yeah, we did. And uh, really got along with him and uh, reached out to him initially. And I was like, dude, I'm doing this podcast. I'd love for your music to be in the background all the time. And he happily agreed to do it. And uh, thankfully, because of that Instagram hookup that you guys had, we've got this great music. Get it. <laughs> so, uh, Martin, thank you so much for supporting the show. You. Yeah, we miss you, buddy. Come hang out once COVID's, oh. according to my grandma, once 10,000 people in LA are, are not dying a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, we love you, buddy. Thank you for letting us uh, play your music on the show. And to our newcomers this year, to Night Rider 87, thank you guys for contributing to the show. We'll play some of your music right now. Hold on. These guys, have you've heard, as you've heard this year, these guys have been the new sound of the show, mixing in really well with Code Electro stuff. Now keep it going. I love that this show has got this synth wave, new retro wave uh, sound to it. I know a lot of the listeners love it. I've gotten a lot of listeners because we have this synth wave sound. Cruder uh, was just giving me shit the other day. He's like, you like synth way too much. <laughs> it sounds like I have to find a new DP now. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Um, but uh, I love these guys, too. Big shout out to Knight Rider 87. Uh, and if you guys want to check out any work from these folks, I post about them religiously on my Instagram account. Um, and you can find all their stuff there. Um, so big shout out to you guys. And this is the first time I've talked about it on the show. We changed the way the show looks with our graphics this year. And we had an amazing graphic done by Ninja Joe Art. On Instagram, go check her out, Ninja Joe underscore art on Instagram. She designed the beautiful cybernetic graphic host that we have for In Love With The Process. She's phenomenal. I love her work. Uh, I found her initially on Instagram because I was just drooling over her stuff. I wrote to her and uh, hired her to commission this piece for us. And I think this coming year, I'm probably going to get her to do a second piece, a new piece for the next season. Ooh, upgrade. As we, uh, an upgrade, as they say. Version 3.0. We got the reference. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> uh, so, very excited about her stuff. So, please check her out. And like I said, if you like any of the aesthetics, if you like the sounds, if you like the way this show is, my job essentially is just curating all these folks, putting them in one spot. So, uh, 
show some love, and remember, click all the links below the episode to help support us. Because if you click on these links, it shows our sponsors that you're listening. It shows our sponsors that you care. Um, and it's important. So please do so. And if you want to support us in any other way, there's a couple of ways you can do it. Go to lovewiththeprocess.com. There you can find all of our episodes curated by subject material. So if you just want to listen to director episodes, musician episodes, chef's episodes, we put them all there for you guys in one place. Um, but you can also click on our sponsors page. You can donate to the show directly, or if you haven't done so yet, sign up for a free trial at Audible. So if you go to audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process, the link is below the episode. Uh, there, if you click on it, if you haven't done so before on another podcast, you'll get a 30-day free trial, which comes with a free audiobook and uh, access to their content for 30 days. And uh, you're going to love it. I am currently about halfway through uh, Ready Player Two. So I've been listening to that on Audible. I'm a huge fan of Ready Player One. The second book has been great. Have you guys heard it yet? Have you guys read it yet? Uh, it's pretty cool. A lot of really interesting parallels to what's going on right now with us as a society. Uh, and a lot of fears about what could happen to us in the future are really addressed in this book. I dig it. Uh, check it out. So if you're looking for a reason to sign up for Audible, you're like, I'd love to support you, but I don't know what I want to listen to. Ready Player Two is a great book. And I'm not, you know, being paid to say that. I, it's what I'm truly listening to right now. Um, so check that out. Make sure you do it. And if you decide after 30, signing up for the 30 days for free, if you decide, hey, look, I thought I could afford this, but I can't, you can cancel. Not a big deal. We still get paid. So it's a great way to pay us to give us a little bit of loot without having to reach in your own wallet, without it costing you anything. So, really good stuff. Click all the links below the episode. I've been ranting and barely getting through this read. Thank you. Let's get back into it with Gina. Stand by. Okay, we are back with the beans, who is stuffing her face with a donut right now. And some coffee. And some coffee. <laughs> we have been, uh, we've had a pretty goddamn good holiday season this year. Oh my God, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the, you know, the negative of everything that we've had to deal with is that we're not able to go home and uh, see our family. Yeah. But the positive of it is that we've sort of set up our own... Christmas traditions, mm -hmm. which I kind of dig. I, I hate to say this. I'm sure some of my family is listening to this, but uh, I like this more. <laughs> oh my gosh. I do not. I definitely would prefer to hang out with my family while they're still alive. <laughs> That's just a fear. I, ah! I, enjoy, I enjoy the traditions that we have at this point. Yeah, I Which do is too. really great. Um, you know, uh, we got a big tree this year, which has been cool. Although that fucking thing dried out pretty quick on us. That was pretty intense. Yeah. I, it's a strange thing that we learned moving here to California because being on the East coast, I kind of take Christmas and the holiday season for granted because the East coast is pretty holiday specific. Like they love, uh, Christmas. They love Hanukkah. They well, love all that the stuff. The weather kind of 
pigeonholes you into enjoying Christmas on the East Coast. That's true, because of the <laughs> snow and everything. But then the trees, you, you, you really aren't, you don't have to work too hard to get that stuff. Out here, you have to work a little bit harder. Yeah, you have to go down to your local Target and in the parking lot. There's just three dudes selling Christmas trees that have fake, <laughs> fake snow on them already. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it was harder for us to find, like, ornaments here. Yeah, it was incredibly hard to find ornaments. It was tough. And it was, it was strange. It's not as... I'm not saying that people don't celebrate Christmas out here because there is a big part of that. But it wasn't as... It, it isn't as holiday-centric, I think, as the mm. East Coast is. And with Christmas trees, it's interesting because the air is so dry out here... That we have to treat them differently than we do on the East Coast. Yeah. So we, like, it was weird to me. We spray it. We spray it down The needles every day and make sure there's only about an inch underneath in the pail. So weird. It's a lot more work. And I don't know how we fucked it up this year because it's dry as a bone right now. It's because we we had the fire on. We, We didn't water it for two days. We had the fireplace on and the heat and the vents right above the Christmas tree. So that that kind of sealed the fate. It sounds, I think like two or three of those reasons were your fault. Wow. So I think it's your fault that our tree is dead. I mean, if the house is consistently at a warm temperature, we wouldn't have to blast it every once in a while. I think the tree's dead because of you. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. So, uh, but yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. It's been nice. Yeah, I've enjoyed uh, going crazy with consumerism and going broke by buying everything I've ever wanted. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. From the Roomba, which you guys have heard guest appearances on the show. The Roomba that we have, the Roomba nightmare that no. is get, making that thing now, work. Thanks to Transgift, we have an espresso machine, so I have two cups of coffee a day. One is an espresso and one's a regular. <laughs> Jesus. I got the robe from your mom on right now. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that I got, what did I get? I got for Christmas this year. Mike got me, uh, okay, he got me Cyberpunk. Now, I have been watching this game from distance for months now because this game checks off all the, all the Mike boxes that it needs yeah. to check off, right? It's the Cyberpunk stuff, which I love, that world that I love, um, that sense of violence that I've been missing the stuff that I wish movies were doing these days, a lot of that stuff is all in there. But this is the other side of me where I know how much time in life is taken away from you when you get into a video game like this. Yeah, you have a problem. You have like a serious addiction. I warned you guys. Yesterday when you had been playing for a couple hours and you're like, I'm going to stop by dinner time and then 11 p.m. rolled around. <laughs> I warned you guys. I told you. And the problem with this game is that you can't just go on for 15 minutes and play it for 15 minutes. Even the smallest task that you do in this game is an hour and a half. So you fall down into a rabbit hole. Next thing you know, it's been... I was on the game the other day for 10 hours. I like it. I like watching you play it. It's like a morph. I like to watch You're not helping. Auto, so You're not helping me. That's, that's fine. I got my own. Now. I've got a career. I've got a career path. Not I'm supposed until to be, January 4th, you don't. I'm supposed to be prepping. I'm supposed to be prepping things and I'm I'm lost in in fucking cyberpunk. You have specifically been told by the people in charge of what you're doing right now to take a break. Yeah, but that just means I got to work on stuff. That's what take a break has always meant in the past to me. It's like, okay, now I have time to actually work on stuff without you bothering me. Got it. Uh, Look, I I have such an internal conflict with this because I get lost in it and I'm like, the game's a lot of fun. There's a lot of glitches in the game, and there's a lot of controversy around whether or not the game works on consoles. I don't give a fuck. I don't have a console. You got a beefy-ass Puget System. I got a Puget Systems PC. And if, if there was a plug for Puget, here it is. 
Like, the, the game works flawlessly on your computer. It does. It is fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like it's gorgeous. The lighting that they, the lighting advancements that they have done in video games, being a lighting nerd, it's, I will walk through scenes just to film a scene with my camera and just go through there and go, what's it like from this angle? What's it like from this angle? Just because of the lighting that they do in it. Yeah. I, th- I also think it's really cool that, you know, usually when you're, stuck in a conversation with a character that's helping you along the plot line you are stuck in that scene but you can like not focus on that person and look around while they're talking which yeah I think it's a super cool upgrade yeah i really like and the story stuff is pretty cool although although i kind of feel like the story was written by a couple bros but story stuff's pretty cool yeah, the way you get in fatal fights with a dude and then all of a sudden since neither of you died your best friends all of a sudden he's like i want to murder you but hey yeah. bro let's hang out yeah we call my mom when i die yeah hold on i gotta put on this Baseball, this the shiny baseball cap that says "badass" first before I can go. It's gonna raise my. Uh, Did you have a bedazzled points. cap that said "bitch" on it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of fun stuff in it, but I also feel like these games are as fun as they are. They're also death of creativity. <laughs> I feel like you get so lost in them. Like if if I was a playing video games all the time and then I was trying to create content all the time I couldn't do both yeah well you feel I feel a weird sense of like like okay I have a purpose I make a list of you know the things that I'm going to do today in the game it, it feels like real life but in it, this is probably why you and I don't play games is it, yeah it, it takes over the place of what yeah. we should be doing yeah and then you go through the process of playing for like six hours seven hours and I'm like cool I went and I murdered these people and I gathered all this and then you step out of it and then the the uh, the fucking chemicals in your brain start to settle and you go, what did I do for 10 hours? I didn't do a fucking thing. I didn't do anything. And I felt like I was doing stuff. I felt like I was running around and gathering weapons and doing this stuff and murdering people. But I didn't do anything. I will say, while being bored during vacation, because I, I you and I both do not handle time off well, uh, it has given me a reason to like not just search the internet for something to do. Yeah, I suppose that's true. It's very fulfilling, and you feel like you're interacting with things, which is nice, even though we can't leave our house. Yeah, I suppose all that stuff's true, and it is fun, and I have to learn how to fucking just... And it'll probably inspire you in some way. Maybe. You're basically, you're still experiencing things. They may not be real, but you're having experiences. It's a fun game. It's 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 a lot of fun to play. Um, he really is a masochist with it, though. He'll finish and be like, ah. This is why I don't play the game. I shouldn't play the game. I don't do anything today. I hate it. And I'm like, dude, just play the game and don't complain or don't play the game. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it. This is why I didn't buy it for myself. Yeah. It really is. Because I can get... There are two things. Was this and something else that I warned you guys about where I'm like... Records. Records. Yeah. And we gave you everything. You guys are fucking terrible. You guys are like my little crack dealers. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I am addicted to crack cocaine. You're like, hey, Merry Christmas. (laughs) open it up and it's just a big old bag of crack my favorite is that they both both of my roommates in the house are playing it right now so it's like i go into one side of the house Ooh. it's on and the other side it's on i know so I, i'm I trying my own well here's the there's here's my thought process my thought process is i just want to play the shit out of it and then after january 1st i'm not going to play it anymore but then we're not going to hang out so like i'm trying to like find this delicate balance of like how much we're not going to hang out because i'll be on the fucking game the whole time to get oh, through like it right now yeah i enjoy the like i've never had a problem with sitting in a room with someone and doing completely different things and just enjoying that we're both doing things together all right so that's why i come and i sit next to you in my chair and play my game all right 
because I because I, I kind of just want to get through it. What else then, are we going to do? The only other suggestions I have right now are let's drink. Yeah. Or let's watch The Ring, which you somehow refuse to do. Because I've, I've seen it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just saw it again recently, too. How recently? I saw it like around Halloween time. You know I saw it. I told you. I woke up late at night and I couldn't sleep, so I went and I watched The Ring. This is that thing that girlfriends do that drive me crazy. Where they enslave, if you're listening, they enslave you at home. Oh, I'd like to watch this show with you. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, that just means I'm not allowed to watch it on my own time. That's what that means. No, you do it sneakily. So we'll be watching. I will assume you've made a commitment because we'll have watched two seasons together of something. And then all of a sudden I'll come in when you're in your bed in the bedroom and you're just like 10 episodes ahead. All of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I had nothing else to watch. And I'm like, what? You could have at least told me you were going <laughs> to. And then I would have started watching it. See, prison. In yeah, prison, right. what happens is, is that she sees that the there's ch- no loyalty here. She's no viewer si- loyalty. She's sitting on the couch, and then the chain that's in her the, in her hand is jiggling a little bit, and she follows it into the room. And the prisoner's somehow like trying to get it off his it's, ankle. That's what's going on. Being in a relationship is like cyberpunk, where you know the yellow option is the only one that's going to work for the three questions you can ask, but you still press the blue one, <laughs> and then it brings you back to the yellow question so you can progress. Shut up. Uh, so. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, it's been good. The holidays have been really good, and, and uh, our living situation has been great. Yeah. And, um, you know, you guys have heard me talk about it on the show. I've essentially been unemployed since uh, since right before the, the COVID thing. Like, I did a couple of gigs for you. I did some editing for you, but I've been unemployed the whole time um, just because we've been trying to be safe. And I've been using this this time to do this podcast, which has been great, but also prepare a couple projects, but thankfully the uh, unemployment system has been pretty good. We'll see how it plays out with the taxes and everything at the end of the year, but the unemployment system has been really great here in California for uh, us freelancers, which was an absolute surprise to me that that was actually going to be an option. And it's yeah. been a pretty good thing. Not that we should feel grateful for the government we pay so much money into giving us money back. but that's... This is positive. I'm being positive. Sure. Yeah. But reality yeah. must set in on that point. Yeah. But it's been, a, it's been a good year for that. And so thankfully, because of the unemployment system, uh, we haven't gone broke. And it's, it's actually helped us with the transition out here to California. Yeah. So Slowed everything down so we can, it's like we can see things clear and we can make decisions afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I hope you guys are feeling the same way. I mean, there's been a lot of like a terrible loss out there and the numbers are pretty high right now. And the the death rate is pretty high out here in California right 10, now. 10,000 a day as far as my grandma knows. <laughs> Let's talk about real numbers. Um, but um, I hope that you guys have found, uh, if anything, have found a way to sort of center yourselves and through the guests that i've had on the show over the past year we've been talking about all this stuff and it's been fascinating to see a common theme which is essentially like i've had the ability to slow my life down a bit and sort of examine what it is i like and what it is i don't like and you guys have heard it you've heard directors that have been in the business for years going like i don't think i want to do this all the time anymore and i i think i want to go and become a teacher now and i think i want to do this and it's been so interesting and i've seen it within myself the the big change, I think, is that anxiety has gone. Like I had a consistent anxiety from the day I decided that I was going to do this job and not be an airplane mechanic. And every day it was like, what am I doing today? How am I doing this? And there was this consistent anxiety. And it was running at its peak. 
as we moved out here and we got we came out here to California and it was always there. It was like this like fucking can of bees that was in the chest. And once I had months off and I was able to sort of process this and sort of process what it is that I needed to do and refocus on my goals, I really don't have that anymore. Yeah. Just deprogramming. It's crazy. I mean, I think the most important thing for, you know, everybody will handle this differently. Not as many people have been as fortunate as us. I think the most important thing is to be kind to your, like find ways to genuinely be kind to yourself instead of ignoring, you know, because I feel like a lot of people, once this happened, they couldn't go do things and ignore their problems anymore. They had to face them. And I think that's, you know, why we've seen a level of, you know, suicide rates going up and stuff, but just be kind to yourself, whatever that means. Like don't, don't listen to us and be like, oh, I should have done that. Why didn't I do that? I haven't been utilizing this well. I mean, as long as you're good to yourself and you're trying to become a better you and you're being safe for others, that's kind of the most we could take out of this. It's a, it's a stop. It's a standstill. No distractions. It is. It is. It's really nice. And um, you've been doing a really good job of that this year yourself because you've been doing therapy over yeah. the internet, which has been great. Oh, my gosh. Having a therapist is amazing. Like, I, I think we're slowly making it not taboo because everybody should see a therapist it just helps you one not burden your friends who already have preconceived notions of what they think the right answer is mm-hmm. <laughs> about you could be about anything you know you talk about anything like oh i stubbed my toe the other day and i felt bad about it or like oh i had a really good day you know it's just someone to talk to who will help you get to the core of why you're feeling things which will just help you become a better person it's not because you have a problem yeah it's interesting to get over that preconceived notion of it like from back when i was a kid where it's just like you know who goes to therapy crazy people go to fucking therapy and at the end of the day it's it's almost like going to a massage therapist oh it's so good yeah it's true because it hurts because they're like let's talk about you know you'd said this thing today but really this is because something happened 12 years ago and let's go there and you're like afterwards you feel so bad but then you can you know you you're just connecting wires basically i feel like you know because everything we do and everything we think is is formulaic based on you know the nurturing and nature of how we grew up and what our systems have been since we were kids. So it's like breaking those systems mm-hmm. and examining the systems and yeah. finding the positives and finding the the negative mm-hmm. uh, within your uh, routines, which is I th- that's incredibly healthy. And I mean, it all comes down to just being able to have a bird's eye view of your situation. Yeah, exactly. You know, instead of, you know, because usually you want to talk about something because it made you feel a certain way. I mean, it could be anything. I don't want to generalize why someone would go to therapy, but like you're talking about it because you feel a way and that that emotion supersedes you getting to the logic behind it. So it's like get, yeah. breaking past the emotion and being like, why am I feeling this way? Yeah. It's and important. it takes it takes years to do that. Oh, it's and learning I th- a new language. Yeah. Because that that applies to work, too. That applies to everything where as soon as you become passionate about something and the problem with our business is that it requires passion. It requires us to be passionate about everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be emotionally invested in everything that we fucking do. <laughs> yeah. And the problem with emotional investment is that you're leaving yourself open for disappointment and to be let down. Sure. And so what you do is you put up guards. So you have like these specific walls in place where it's like, if I make this thing and the audience doesn't like it, well, fuck them. I made it for me. I didn't make it for them. Like you have all these like little systems that are put into place to protect that, that core, to protect Mm -hmm. that, that little, that little place where the kid lives inside you that says, Hey, look, let's make dinosaurs. You know what I mean? And you don't want that. Jonathan, is this a big black Delta reference? No, you, you, you just don't want that kid to be hurt. He has a good metaphor for that. Yeah. And, and so if you're, 
it's it's instinctual. It's like it, it's like if you hurt your leg and you start to limp. You know what I mean? It's that sort of mm-hmm. instinctual thing that you have to break past. And I find that in the past I've gotten very emotionally charged on stuff because I'm pr- protecting that kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like if someone's not paying things a certain way or someone's not doing things a certain way, you end up becoming very emotionally charged with it. And it's like, well, what the fuck is your problem? And, and what the fuck? Technically, I feel like a lot of the times our emotions are the kid. You know, we have the same emotional structure we did as children. We're just adults now mm, <laughs> dealing with true. the consequences of how we learn to feel and be. That's true. That's true. That's a better way to look at it, I suppose. Um, it's interesting stuff. I, I think it's great that you that you're going through therapy and you're and you're sort yeah. of getting that massage, that brain massage that you need. Sure, and it's great because it's not like a I'm going to therapy until this. It's just nice once a week to have someone to talk to about anything. You know, therapists don't want to talk about anything in specific. They want you to talk about whatever you want. And does it change the way you process things? For sure. Yeah, I had. Or I guess I still I have a lot of anxiety about like the pressures of things and kind of realizing that jumping to an emotion when I'm stressed just stops me from being able to do it when I should just be like, this is not good or bad. Like, just get through shit. For me, it's anxiety because I get rid- my whole family is a ball of stress. So I've learned to get very anxious about worries and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people do. It's something that I've learned as I get older, too. And so it, when I have the opportunity to do so. And if I'm not completely lost in what it is that I'm doing, and you know what I mean, where like your vision goes from like having that ability to see like a hundred yards away to only being able to see three feet in yeah. front of you. I hate that. Um, but uh, what I try to do to myself is just go like, you haven't slept, mm-hmm. you're exhausted, what you're feeling right now. Like yesterday I had a fucking rough day because I hadn't slept and it was out in public and it was just like going outside. The sun was just fucking uh, like killing my, because it's the fucking video game. The sun was killing my eyes and all that shit. And then I'm hanging out with these people in real life that are also having social anxiety because people are hanging out. We did encounter an extraordinary amount of people who were very confused on how to live life yesterday. <laughs> Let's just say that my fucking anger scale was in the fucking red. And so the whole time, instead of, I tried to do my best with it yesterday. The whole time, instead of just flipping out, I was just trying to tell myself like, you haven't slept. You're feeling these things because you haven't fucking slept. Your emotions are ridiculous right now. You know, get through this. Like, try to... And it wasn't until people were getting ridiculous that mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to fucking snap. I'm going to fucking snap right now. Yep. Get me in the car. I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I shouldn't be out in public. I didn't know when I shouldn't be out in public. There are times where I'll say that out loud where I'm like, I shouldn't be out in public today. Because mm-hmm. I'm a fucking murderer. I'm a murderer inside my brain right now. You're sniping them? I'm just going to kill them all. Yeah. Oh, my God. One at a time. Oh. Um, but it's fascinating. These are thought processes that I didn't have prior to COVID because I didn't have the time to think about it. Yeah. I think it would be a grave loss for anyone not to spend at least, you know, there's still some time left, unfortunately, that will be in quarantine for you to take time to focus on yourself because that's going to be something you, an opportunity in a weird way that you'll have missed once we have all this distractions back and you can be too busy to think about anything. And I, I mean, it's, it's a weird to say it this way but i kind of feel like you know is the closest thing i can refer this to is snow days i feel like it's snow days back in the east coast snow year it's been a snow year yeah (laughs) where you're like oh fuck i gotta go i hated going to school so it's like fuck you go to school so when it was a snow day when you wake up you look outside and the plows haven't hit the streets and the sidewalks yet you're like yes (laughs) we're not going to fucking school today and so it's felt like that 
for the past year. Of course, there's that danger outside, and that's why you and I have been quarantined as much as possible. I just thought of something that has nothing to do with that. When I was a kid, uh, I would, when the snow plows were coming, I would make sure my grandma saw me outside, and I would bury myself underneath the snow they were about to plow to stress her out. I don't know why that just popped <laughs> in my head, but I needed to say it. What an asshole. So you would bury so yourself? So she'd be like screaming from the porch, being like, the snow plow is coming, even though I knew it, but I was like, <laughs> I don't know why I wanted her to think I was going to get plowed. <laughs> No wonder why. You're such a little shithead. I really was. I was an only child who craved consistent attention. Uh, was? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it has felt like a, like a really gifted thing. Yeah. I mean, if because you, you can think about it negatively or positive. Like you can think about anything positively or negatively. And I just feel like what's, what's the good in thinking about the bad things right now? When you have an opportunity that you won't have again, think about it as an opportunity in a weird way, but of, you know, yeah. what we're going through is horrible, but you can find some good in it. But there's been a lot of good from it. Yeah. We've both worked really hard to be better. You've taken a break for the first time in your life. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's like, I feel like, uh, at the end of it all, because we've been fortunate, because we've been fortunate that we haven't had, uh, we haven't had death in our families because of this thing. Yeah. We just haven't. And so that's a very fortunate thing. I'm sure that it would be a different story. Oh my gosh. Yes. If, you know, one of our parents or grandparents had died because of COVID. Yeah. And so there may be some listeners out there that have had that situation. And I don't want to make light of that in any way. Um, It's been terrible for a lot of folks. Uh, I'm just speaking from my own experiences and I'm also speaking from a lot of the experiences from the people that I know and I'm also speaking on from what I've experienced from the people that I know which is just straight fucking negativity which is like what do you have to be so fucking negative about you haven't had any deaths in your family and you're fucking being like you should be looking at this as a positive experience and as an experience to grow from this because at the end of it all we're going to go back to regular life it's yeah. going to happen like, it'll take these vaccines a little while to kick in, but it's like the flu vaccine. We'll go back into a regular system. And so then what happens next? Do we go back? Do I turn back on that anxiety again? Do I, do I kick on that hamster wheel of fucking craziness? Mm-hmm. And do I jump back into that world where I feel like I've lost years of my life yeah. from stress? Oh, someone's, I feel like some people, I always imagine like stockbrokers or people in the stock market genuinely enjoy that constant fucking like cocaine fueled fucking and for them good for them go do that but if if you don't enjoy it figure out take the time you're an open book right now yeah and i i think that it's been a blessing in disguise for a lot of us out there and if you can come out of the back end of this into 2021 and i know i'm right there with you standing in the front of the line giving the middle finger to the past year for how insane it's been because i believe in that camaraderie but then also i'm kind of winking at the past year by going like hey thanks Thanks for for giving me the time to fucking work my shit out. Mm-hmm. Thanks for giving me the focus to go like, man, I'm going to be a better person. I've had a whole fucking year of podcasting. I just talked to the <clears throat> producers of my, <clears throat> of my new movie, which I'm not allowed to talk about yet. <laughs> but I just talked to them last week about this on a Skype call. And I said, look, I cannot wait to get on set because of the shit that I have learned on this show. I have picked up s- tricks and skills from much more talented individuals than I am that I cannot wait to put into practice on this movie that I would never have had if this didn't happen. Yeah. So I just think 
it's important to be positive, which I know is a very strange thing on this show because I'm very pessimistic most of the time. But as we approach New Year's Eve, which is what, two days from now or tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? Uh, if today's the 30th, then it's tomorrow. This is the other know. side effect of COVID is that I've <laughs> lost track of what date it is. Um, Not that it matters whenever New Year's is. But on the eve of the new year, and don't be expecting that fucking, that ball to drop and suddenly we're all free because it's not the case. I know that we like to put a lot of stress on dates and say like new year's coming and it's all going to be different reality situations probably going to be about halfway through the new year before anything does anything, but optimism is, is key here. And, uh, I'm fucking excited for what's coming. Uh, you must be excited. You've got all sorts of really good possibilities. Yeah. I am very excited. So, and I've been happy with you and us and our little relationship. Aww, our little relationship. We've too. done we've done pretty well. It's surprising that we haven't murdered each other. Yeah. We've been attached to the hip now for what, like two years? Three, almost. Yeah, about two two years straight. Every day, we're together in the same house. <laughs> we go sleep in the same place. We work at the same place. Yeah, and we haven't murdered each other. Yeah. We get heated every once in a while, but I think that's only natural. We actually rarely have alone time in general, because I'll either come bother you or you'll come bother me. But it's not, it's not, it's new for me. I'm not used mm. to like not having as much, like a little dog that comes in looking for attention. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been good. I've been happy with the whole thing. Yeah. Um. So I don't think I wanted to talk about anything else. Let me check here. It's a blank piece. I'm just watching him look at. I'm not wearing glasses, so it looks like a blank piece of paper. Well, there's stuff written on it, though. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, that's about it. I, I just wanted to come on and do a goodbye to 2020 the right way. Talk about some positive stuff. I hope that sharing Gina's experiences have inspired you guys to find a way to put yourself in a position in which you'll be able to be successful. And I think the takeaway from that is, in the meantime... Study your craft, learn your skills, know how to do all that stuff. Start to develop your voice as an artist. You could do that in all your spare time and you could do that without anything. You could do that with a fucking camera and lights and playing around. Find your, find your toolbox that you're going to rely upon. But at the same time, put yourself in the right position to meet the right people, to take full advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's a takeaway from your story, it's that. It's you understanding, look, I need to move to a place and live in a place that's going to give me the opportunity. But then when you got here, understanding here's how I'm going to tackle that opportunity by making a list of where I want to go, dissecting it, and then slowly making my way up. Sure, it. yeah, it's, it's not going to come to you. You got to go get it. You did a killer job at it this year. Oh, thank you. And uh, very inspiring story. That's why I want to have you on to talk about it. And then um, prepare yourselves for the next year of this podcast. Uh, a lot of it is all dependent on what happens with COVID, obviously, but uh, we have big plans. I want to give a big shout out to Liam. Uh-uh. Gina just shouted out through her tonsils. Liam. To Liam, who is uh, on the East Coast right now. He is still producing for the show while going to school remotely. Um, which is really great. Um, and uh, I love the dude for, for spending all the time with us and for being a big, important part of the podcast over the past year. Yeah. 
Um, so we have big plans. Once we can get out of COVID, we have big plans. Uh, I've got like a couple of different ways that this show could go. It all depends on what news is released. So uh, stick with us. We promise that we're going to continue to develop the podcast into something bigger and better. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, and I keep begging you motherfuckers to do it, go to YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. I know that we don't put out a ton of content on YouTube because we're trying to keep up with everything, but the show will eventually go to YouTube. So go there, subscribe to our stuff. We're trying to get over 1,000 subscribers. We're at 500 right now. That's and good. I have thousands of people listening to this podcast and i'm only a five fucking hundred on youtube that means you're a passive fucking listener that means you're not doing what i'm telling you to do i know who you are i could see you right now it's a very healthy podcast yeah very healthy relationship you have with your listeners do what i say (laughs) (laughs) go to youtube subscribe to us please i appreciate it um so that's it, Gina. Do you have anything else that you want to leave us with? Any words of wisdom? Um, just be good to yourself. You know, figure out what you want to do. Do it. Uh, proud of you, Michael. You had a great year, and you always stay driven, and you always do your thing, and throughout everything, you know, you get shit done. Oh my gosh, is this the Oscars? You're turning on the music to <laughs> to, to to usher you off. You bitch. Yeah, thanks for the compliment. I love you, baby. <laughs> Goodbye.